0: you're healing and when you're on your journey you have to be okay with not being liked Mm. you have to be okay with rocking the boat you have to be okay with challenging the status quo Mm. and if you're so caught up on like but what would they think what would my mom say this and that like you're going to stay perpetually stuck Mm -hmm. so you have to be like okay i'm doing this for the greater good I'm doing this because I know I don't want to repeat patterns. Yeah. And if it means I have to burn some bridges, so be it. Mm.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female. I am your host, Paola Rosser. And this week, my guest is Edna Mendez. She's a life coach who helps individuals break toxic cycles and grow their confidence. For the past three years, she's been helping individuals heal from toxic relationships, dysfunctional family dynamics, breaking generational trauma, and really helping people rebuild the relationship they have with themselves. So, everybody, please welcome Edna. I found her on TikTok. Her content really spoke to my soul, and I'm so excited to have her here on the podcast because we are going to have a beautiful conversation, and I cannot wait.
0: Everybody, please welcome Edna. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on here, and I'm so glad we connected on TikTok. It's crazy what social media does now, right? You just meet a lot of people. You connect, and you become friends like that.
1: Yes. um, You're content really resonated with me a lot Um, especially because I grew up in a toxic dysfunctional family and a lot of your content is like how to heal from that how to really set boundaries how to acknowledge that you your voice your words everything is valid your trauma really did happen. Um, and you and I resonate so much because we're both, for those of you who aren't watching us on YouTube, we're both Mexican. We're, we're both from that line of, you know, everything stays behind closed doors and we don't speak about what happens. So let's get into your fearless female journey. Where did your journey begin? Um, let's go back.
0: Oh, my journey really began when (laughs) I was a child, honestly, when I (laughs) was, yeah, you know, there was a lot of, uh, trauma very early on. I remember. So my first recollection of me deciding like, hey, something has to change was when I actually caught my dad cheating on my mom. Mm. There was an incident when he took us to go see the other lady. And I remember in my gut going like, this isn't right. This is wrong. Like, I need to tell my mom. And he would always uh, tell us, you know, you have to not tell anybody, keep it a secret, hush, hush type of deal. But that day where he took us to the swimming pool and I met the lady and his her children, I was just like, no, I can't do this. And I remember getting so, super mad and being like, I don't want to be here. Like, I need to tell my mom. And half of me didn't want to tell my mom because i didn't want to hurt her feelings but the other half of me was like you know this isn't right especially i was a child i was put in a situation where this is an adult issue but here he's an adult bringing a child into this so i decided to tell my mom and so that's when it it, you know (laughs) boom an explosion of fight occurred there was you know a lot of argument back and forth my mom found out she was really upset but she was very thankful of me and like telling me, telling her about the situation. But my family comes from a very toxic relationship. So it's kind of like, OK, you're we're going to fight. We're going to throw this big tantrum, this whole show, yada, yada, yada. And then we're going to leave and then we're going to come back like nothing ever happened. And that's the <laughs> yeah. worst. I
1: totally resonate with that so much. It happens in my family a lot where you do have these explosive fights. And it's not just like negative words being thrown at each other, but like actual physical fights. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, we would have moments where we wouldn't speak for months, sometimes even years. And then we would just come back as if, nothing happened. No apology. No, let's break down what happened. Let's validate each other's feelings. There was none of that. There was no resolution. It was just like, let's just pretend nothing happened and go back to normal, which I think for a child is so um, confusing, you know, because like you're a child and you're looking to your adult uh, parents, your guardians for how we should move through life how we should show up and then as you were saying earlier your dad taking you to meet his mistress his other woman it's like you're the adult (laughs) and you're as a little kid you're like this is wrong you know and then they're telling you like don't tell anybody you're like no i have to i love that you did tell her and i love that your mom actually you know, believed you and gave you a good response rather than the opposite, which occurs many times where the child wants to tell them the truth. And then they get mad at the child versus the person they should be getting mad at. Um, Can I ask you a question? Of course. How old were your parents when they got married?
0: Okay, So give me a second (laughs) to think about this one. So they came to this country when they were 15 years old. And I think they met when they were 18 years old Mm. so probably they married when they were 21 yeah I'm I'm guessing 21 and then they had my sister when my older sister when my mom was 25 I believe Mm. I believe so still so young though so so young so young and that's and that's where I don't blame my parents for a lot of trauma and this is where I really healed because I have to take a step back and remember they came from a different generation, different mm-hmm. upbringing, different values, beliefs. They come from a small town in Mexico where the language is not even Spanish. It's Zapoteco. It's like mm. their indigenous language. So I cannot fault them for that. Yeah. Right? They chose not to heal and that's their choice. Um, but I'm just choosing not to have the same ideologies as them.
1: Yeah, I think that that happened for me, too, where... I was uh, bitter and angry towards my mom for over 20 years. And it wasn't until I pulled the lens back and realized that she also came from a lot of trauma and a lot of unhealed generational toxic behaviors that she just learned and passed down. And um, you have to understand too, it's like you know, for those of you who are listening, it's like, you need to figure out where did they come from? What did they learn? What were their patterns that they kept recreating? And like you said, they came from a country that a didn't even speak Spanish, or they came from a country, like my parents both came from Mexico, and they lived in a small town where their house was made out of sod, it was a one bedroom house, they had an outhouse for a bathroom, like the education level was not mm-hmm. there. Therapy was not there. Reading self-help yeah. books was not there. Psychology yep. wasn't there. They didn't think that way. And they also were very young when they got married. It's kids having kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And so they just, they're only going by what they know. Absolutely. That's a great point. Kids having kids and there were children. And that's why I, that's what's really important when you're trying to heal from any anger or bitterness, or resentment, you have, you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes and have compassion for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they only knew what they knew. My mom's highest level of education was the fifth grade.
1: Yeah. So mine was third grade. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's in those days they you, you went to school for as much as you can learn. And then Mm -hmm. you went to work because they needed to make money. And that's another thing that like, You know, I had to put myself in my mother's position in order to find forgiveness and grace. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's so much to talk about with family generational trauma that we can talk for hours. But yeah, I really wanted you to talk about because I saw a couple of your videos, but I really wanted you to talk about is breaking that generational trauma. Yes, we can have compassion and grace for our parents. But when do you start to recognize that A, you're repeating the patterns and B, it's time for you to change or to break that cycle?
0: Absolutely. It's, it begins with self-awareness and healing doesn't look the same for everybody. That's what I want to say. Like the way you heal might not be the same way I healed. So it really depends on the person and what's going on and what's happening in their world. For you, you said that you needed to forgive your mom and let go of some anger or resentment whatever was there and for me it was with my dad but regardless as it begins with that self-awareness hey something's going on that's keeping me stuck and I feel like I'm getting nowhere how can I move forward from here? from here and then another thing is with relationships let's say that you start going like oh I keep getting to the same type of people is it me what's going on If you don't fix the pattern that's within you, what's going to happen is that you're going to end up with the same person, just with a different face. And Mm -hmm. so you have to realize, what is it, the pattern that I'm allowing? What's going on here? What is okay and what's not okay with me? What am I tolerating? What am I not tolerating? What is my self-talk like? Mm -hmm. What am I saying to myself? What are my beliefs about relationships, about myself, my self-esteem, my self-worth? You start from
1: there. Yes. And I think also in our culture, you know, if you watch the telenovelas, it's Mm -hmm. all about the drama and Uh it's all about the toxic behavior. And You know, I always think about that with my mom, because she was obsessed with telenovelas. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when she didn't have like a real proper education, or, you know, real kind of like instruction on how to be and she learned from telenovelas, how to maneuver life. And in telenovelas, it's all drama and toxic behavior. It's all cheating and slapping and pulling each other's hair, because that is what gets the ratings. But that's not a way to live your life. And That was the chaos that ensued in our home was just this constant toxic behavior. I I liked one of your TikToks where you were like, the way you speak to a child, if you spoke like that to an adult, would they have the same reaction? And mm-hmm. some of the times I think to myself, at how my mom would speak to us, not just behind closed doors, but in public as a child, like, if a woman talked to me that way, <laughs> now that I'm in my 40s, I would be like, excuse me, but we allow ourselves to talk to our children that way. And yeah. I've, I've done so much healing to know that I didn't hate my mom in the beginning, when I was being spoken to that way, or when I was physically being abused, I took it upon myself, like there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't mad at her I just felt like well I have to be better I have to be a better daughter I have to do things better so that she could love me and it created this like type a personality in me where I was like I have to strive to be good because then that's when I will get her attention
0: not knowing that it was far deeper than that you know absolutely you brought up very good interesting points so the first point is the drama A lot of people are addicted to drama, just as they're addicted to alcohol or drugs. And that's a pattern some people carry. So if you saw a lot of drama growing up, and you saw it was a norm in your household, you're going to want to have some type of drama in your life. You don't realize that you inadvertently are looking for it. And it can show up in your friendships in your relationships in your workplace. You said that when you were a child, you didn't see it that way, right? And it's because when we're children, we're seeking that approval, right? We're born seeking that approval because we're on survival mode. We don't know anything outside of our world. We just know our family. yeah, And what they say goes, what they say is right. And we want them to accept them. Why? Because yeah. we need needs. We need to be fulfilled with our needs. And yeah. that's why we keep accepting that approval. But what happens is, if your family doesn't teach you about being independent, if they don't tell you about like, okay, you know, you have your own individual identity, I have my identity, we don't have to mesh, we don't have to do this whole codependency, if they teach you words like that, you're going to be a more healthy, functional adult. But if they don't teach you about that, you're still going to be seeking that approval when you're a teenager, when you're a young adult, when you're an adult. When you're older, you know, it continues on unless you decide, okay, things need to change.
1: Yeah, they do. And I think... One of the biggest reasons why, especially if you're first generation American, when they're saying like family's thicker than you water, blood is thicker than water, we need to stick together, it's because you do come to a new country and the only people you feel like you can trust is your family. Mm -hmm. And I understand that perspective, but when your family (laughs) is the place where you're being hurt and abused and it's a toxic Mm -hmm. environment, the blood is thicker than water kind of goes out the door, right?
0: hmm absolutely. I actually have a really funny story to go with this. So when I went to Mexico with my sister, my aunt, I went with my grandma. And my grandma's super into brujería and all of that. And okay, and which is fine. I, I'm not against it. So she took us to the forest and she made us... In the forest, there was like little bottles of people's faces and there was like an upside cross. It was just really scary. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is like real, real. real. So anyway, so she took out like a box of cigarettes and she blew on it. And she said, I want you to blow on it and then throw it in the lake. My sister went first and she did it. And you see the two cigarettes going like this, going straight. Mm-hmm. And she told my sister, oh, good." you're a good place, you're a good daughter, you listen to your family, you're obedient, this and that, and she's like, your turn, Edna, so I did it, and the two cigarettes went like this, they separated, and she's like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, Edna, she's like freaking out, and I'm just there like, what's going on, because she's not speaking Spanish, she's speaking her native language, yeah, and I'm just smiling, and she said, you don't listen to your family, I can tell that you don't You're not obedient to your parents. You have to listen to your dad. You have to, what he says goes, no matter what. And I was just kind of trying to add logic as to why, trying to explain to her, like, you know, the cigarettes move because of the water currents and whatever, but she wasn't having it. She was just like, you need to listen to your dad. And there's no need to explain or over-explain yourself or try to justify yourself to people who are very set on their ways. Mm. You can't expect them to change they are who they are. The only person who can change is you. So in that moment, I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to try to tell my grandma that she's wrong. I'm not even going to try to explain myself. I know what I'm doing is for myself and my inner peace. And I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. And that's a real struggle for people who want to still be included in the tribe. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's one of the biggest things that it took me a long time to like be okay to be separate because for the longest time I wanted to be accepted by all of them. You know, you come from a, I come from a big family. And so I wanted to be accepted by my sisters, by my brother, by my mom, by my dad. I wanted that. I wanted the family. I wanted the blood is sicker than water. But then the more that I was doing my healing, I realized, Hey, We're not on the same path here. We're not talking the same language. We're not, you know, understanding each other. And I, for a year, literally was banging my head up against the wall, trying to get them to heal, trying to get them to acknowledge what happened in our past, trying to help them talk about like let's go to therapy together as a family no they did not (laughs) they did not want to go to therapy and they did not want to uncover all the things that have that are hurting us still to this day they want to just pretend as if you know nothing is happening and everything is fine and we're just gonna like pray it away and it's gonna go away and and you know to some extent yes prayer works but Mm -hmm. if we don't really like dig deep as to why we are the way we are to really correct how our boat is going, then we're
0: going to continue to
1: hit the same rocks.
0: Absolutely. Well said. Exactly. Like I truly believe in prayer. It's powerful, but there's more to it. There's more. It's understanding what behavioral patterns am I repeating? Like the people pleaser, right? Like that's a big one in Latin families. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, especially for women. Exactly. So if you're, if you tend to be a people pleaser, you tend to attract Narcissistic people or people with narcissistic traits. Right. So that's definitely a pattern that I know I saw a lot growing up. My mom was the people pleaser, the obedient one, submissive one, the one who, you know, never rocks a boat, who's hush hush, who does what the husband does. And in doing so, you only hurt yourself. In doing so, you're teaching yourself, my self worth, my love is based on the condition that. I meet their needs. I meet their standards, that I'm okay with them. I need their approval, validation to make sure that I'm okay. But doing that erodes your self-esteem.
1: Yeah, it does. And I think it's huge in the Mexican culture, especially for women, to do as the man says. He is the head of the household. He's going to protect you. He's going to feed you. And you're going to have to put up with all of their bullshit, whether they're cheaters, whether they're abusers, whether they both physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever abusing, you still have to follow the man. And in some cultures and not just Mexican cultures, they really minimize the woman to the point where they're not allowed to have an education. They're not allowed to have a job outside of the house. They're not allowed to go read or have friends unless they're approved, because it really goes back to the old ways of things
0: are done. Right. Yeah absolutely and you brought up something that i was like oh i kind of want to bring this up i'm gonna bring it up so i saw this video on instagram or tiktok i can't remember and it was this girl talking about like i want to be a stay-at-home mom and i want to bring back the patriarchy i'm okay with being obedient i want to make this disclaimer first uh there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home parent nothing wrong with that that is a full-time job A full-time commitment, and kudos and mad respect to the people who do it. There's a difference, though. There's a difference between that and the patriarchy system, the beliefs. So when you grow up in that patriarchy system, as you and I have, you know that it's not about being a teamwork. It's about being controlled, being manipulated, being dominated, and being enmeshed and being codependent on a person. That's unhealthy. Because then what happens is your identity gets erased. Mm. It's no longer who am I? It's who are we? And then what happens if you have children and the children go off and then your your spouse decides to leave you? You're going to be stuck. Like, who? what's going to happen to me? Who am I? I'm lost. I'm so lost because I've been so enmeshed for so long. Yeah. and That's actually what's happening with my mom right yeah. now.
1: And, it, and it's crazy because people think like, oh, that only happened in the 50s. You'd be surprised how many women today in 2023 don't have an identity outside of their marriage, outside of being a mom. At Some people, like I have a client recently who I had to help open a checking account because she's getting a divorce and the husband took care of everything. And now all of a sudden she's got to start from square one. And to me, it's like, as a woman, we should learn how to take care of ourselves. We should learn like a craft. You, you shouldn't lose yourself. Like you said, be codependent on this person, because yes, then you lose total control. And that is called narcissistic abuse, where they isolate you. And now that you're solely dependent on them, so that they can control you, abuse you and have all say on you. And unfortunately, it's like very rampant, not just in our culture, but cultures all across even in Western United States, women are dealing with this kind of abuse. And yeah, people can say, let's bring back the patriarchy. It's because you probably have never been in a narcissistic abusive relationship you've probably never been dominated by a man you probably don't understand what it's like to be totally controlled and yes i you know being a stay-at-home mom is amazing when you have the right loving healthy partner who is going to be your husband your partner in life it's like people just throw out these words and they haven't done their research and they haven't done they haven't spoken to people who have actually been in the patriarch been in communism been in in these states for them to say oh bring it back you don't know <laughs> you have yeah. no clue
0: right yeah yeah absolutely and that's even like the patriarchy is a form of communism it's a form of dictatorship to tolerism. it's like big brother is watching you and that big brother is your spouse who controls you and I really recommend that movie if you're you're like I don't know what patriarchy is it's 1984 it's a book and it's a movie and it's just basically telling you like someone watches you and you're constantly being watched by this person and whatever they say goes it's the same thing as patriarchy right and I think you you made a very good point when you said people just throw out these terminologies without realizing what these terms actually mean and what it Mm. entails. And when you live through it, it's a completely different experience than someone who has not lived through it. You know, something I do want to add though, is I truly believe that there needs to be more men mental health awareness. Mm. Absolutely. That's why we keep repeating the patriarchy because a lot of these men... I empathize with them because they don't know, they don't understand, or they're told they're not a quote-unquote man if they go to therapy, or if they don't express themselves, or they make him made fun of, Or you know? It's yes. sad. It's sad. And then what happens? They become alcoholics. They do drugs. They sleep around with different women.
1: Yeah. They're lost. It's... It's very prevalent, especially in our culture. I was recently watching the documentary of uh, Cesar Chavez, the boxer, who was like one of the very first Mexican-American boxers. And um, watching his story, he was talking about when he was growing up you know, he's made fun of because he was effeminate, um, because he was a very mm. good looking little boy. And so they called him effeminate, and they called him gay. And they said, oh. man up, and you're such a P-U-S-S-Y, you know, and they okay. were calling him all these names. And then at like 12 and 13, his uncles were like, hey, have a beer, you know, be a man. and And it's like, they're encouraged to not show any emotion. They're encouraged mm. to not, you know, be afraid and to like man up. And they're literally so traumatized from a young age that they really don't know how to move through the world and their people that they're looking up to their fathers or uncles or grandparents don't have the emotional stability or intelligence to be able to have good conversations with them i mean as i watched the entire documentary i felt more and more empathy and compassion for cesar chavez yeah. because it was like he never had a chance yeah. The poor kid never had a chance. And that's the thing. It's like, we all need to go back and understand why we are the way we are. Mm-hmm. Pull the lens back. Like you said earlier, investigate the patterns, investigate where we came from and really start to unpack and find the therapists, find the life coach, find the books that you need to read the podcast you need to hear. But yes, men in general, all together, not just in our culture, need more mental health just recently there was a shooting just down the street from my house and it was a man who went is going went through a divorce he's an ex-cop and he went there to go kill his ex-wife because he was suffering from the loss of the depression of divorce and when a man cannot express himself verbally and emotionally what's the next thing they're going to go through aggression because that's what they teach little boys. Don't show your feelings. Don't cry. Don't be a P-U-S-S-Y. You need to like be a man when they're like three, four, five. It's okay if they cry. It's okay if they process through the emotion. But if you don't allow the child to process through the emotions and you only allow them to exert anger, imagine mm-hmm. the explosive bomb you're creating when they
0: become yeah. an adult. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You brought up a very good point, too. When you said the boxer was given a beer at thirteen, So that's an example of how we start learning bad habits. So that instead of him being like, hey, dad, I'm going through something. Let's have a conversation about it. I'm feeling some type of way. The dad goes, let's just have a beer. Let's just drink our problems away. And we don't realize that that's the start of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. it begins very early on and it's because you learned these habits of whenever I feel stressed whenever I'm going through this I'm going to turn to this and that's not okay and even another point you brought up that I thought was really good was aggression it is aggression a lot of men are taught to be masculine you have to be aggressive right being aggressive you have to really define what that word means to you You know, aggressive might mean something completely different to you than it means to me, to the next guy, so forth. So it's not about being aggressive. It's about being assertive. Mm. There's a difference.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of men don't know how to foster relationships outside of either drugs, alcohol, or sex. Like, let's Mm -hmm. go to the nudie bar. Let's go to the bar. Let's go get high. You know, they don't know how to foster relationships so that they can have these open conversations. And when one person does try to have these open conversations, they are met with resistance or jokes or, you know, ridicule. I saw this funny TikTok. Well, it's not funny, but this white guy is married to a Mexican girl and you know he's joking around saying you hurt my feelings and she's laughing in the background saying well that's just how we are as Mexicans that's how we are we we joke that's the way we communicate and it's funny because when I met my husband and I come from a family who jokes until they make you cry Mm. I used to joke with my husband in the beginning of our relationship and he would tell me I don't like those jokes they're not funny you're hurting my feelings. And I was like, I never was met with that with my family. It was like, I'm going to joke. You're going to joke. We're going to hurt each other's feelings until one of us has an explosive fight and walks out. And then we don't talk for a year. (laughs) Like that was the pattern in the cycle. And my husband stopped me and he was like, that's not funny jokes. That's hurtful jokes. And that is attacking my spirit. I don't like that. And I was like, wait a minute, this is a whole different type of relationship. And it really did start to help me change and become more
0: self-aware of the pattern that I was recreating. That's a good point. And another point to add on to that, and thank you so much for sharing that, is humor. A lot of the times when we don't know how to process or have a conversation about our emotions, our go-to feeling is humor. We laugh in serious moments or we laugh when we don't ha- we don't know what to do next. And that actually is unhealthy. Yeah. It's not healthy to like when you're going through something, you start giggling. It's because you don't know how to let that emotion enter and then exit it in a healthy way. So you like resort to your comfort emotion, which is laughter. And you know, yeah. there there's nothing wrong with humor, don't get me wrong. I'm not like a you know
1: No, but that's you know, yeah, that's one of the reasons why most comedians are committing suicide and are depressed Mm. is because they never learned how to really process their emotions. They just learned how to be the funny person and, Oh, I'm just going to let it slide. Look at me. I'm, I'm self-deprecating. No, you're allowing people to step all over you. You're allowing people to have no boundaries and treat you in a certain way or a certain manner. And it's just really sad that we didn't get these lessons early on, but it's, I am so thankful now that I'm watching all these videos and people like not early as 19, 20 years old, starting their healing journey. I think we are coming into a different era in the earth. There's going to be better people in the future, because we're not going to be carrying so much weight and so much toxic behavior and so much like negativity in the future. But for those of us who didn't get a chance to live in that era, it's time for us to heal, right? It's time for us to really start that healing journey and break the patterns because you don't want to take this on to your grandchildren, to your children, to your great grandchildren, you really want to stop the process of the pain and tragedy that we continue to
0: carry forward. Absolutely. And to add to that, a lot of this new term called gentle parenting gets a lot of, (laughs) am I allowed to curse shit for it, right? There's a (laughs) lot of people are like, ah, that's so stupid, this and that. Well, you have to realize it's not about never disciplining your child because I truly believe in disciplining children. That's one of my areas of expertise, right? But there's a way to do it. Mm -hmm. there's a way to talk to them in a way that they understand that their behavior has consequences yeah and then you stick to those consequences and you teach them a lesson through that it's not about hitting them yelling at them shaming them judging them criticizing them that's only causing trauma fear anxiety depression so forth you know the list goes on and on
1: absolutely
0: yeah it's it's just learning how to better communicate Learning how to practice mindfulness. And this is what I tell parents a lot. There are going to be moments where your child is going to test you. They're going to test you and you're going to be like, oh my God, your, your go-to response might be something that happened to you as a child. You might feel the urge to take out that belt. So you have <laughs> to, yeah, or chancla, whatever <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. You have to breathe through it and realize what is this behavior going to do to my child? What are the long-term effects? Because mm-hmm. in that moment, we just want to be impulsive. That's why it's so important to learn how to control your emotions. Manage them. Yeah. Breathe through it as simple as, <sighs> okay, that's okay. Let me talk to him or her. Let's reframe this, re- like, let's regroup and let's find a way, let's find a solution. Right. Because yeah. if you got hit like we did, what did that do to us? It only caused us to be fearful, full of anxiety. And I'm sure, and I'm sure that when you had a problem, you didn't go to your parents because you knew that you're going to get punished for it instead yeah. of getting like support or good advice. It was like, oh, it isn't that. It? It's like, no, I don't need that. I'm already dealing with my own shit. I don't need your shit.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. When I first met my husband, he had two kids from a previous marriage. And my husband never hit his kids. Never. Never really disciplined them in a harsh way. Never raised his voice at them. And and for me, the first like two years, I was like, wait a minute, these kids are can to whoop ass. <laughs> my husband was like, That's not gonna help. You know, I, I will never do that. And and I would think to myself, you know what, you're right you shouldn't do that. Cause look what it did to me. Right. And then now that they're 16 and 20, they are the most well-adjusted, respectful, loving children. So that whole saying that spare the rod, spoil the child is BS because we did spoil our kids. Like we did give them whatever they wanted. They got cars. As soon as they turned 16, every time school started, they got the best Nikes. They got, you know, every sport they wanted. we bought them the best things. We've traveled to nice hotels. Like they have been given everything, but yet they are the most respectful, sweet kids. You know, you don't have to hit them or discipline them or speak to them in such a negative, harsh way for them to understand to be more loving and respectful and honoring. Like, I don't know, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some kids that, that need that. I don't know, but I, I don't think hitting is the way to discipline your child. There has to be a way that you could speak to them in a stern voice where they
0: still have respect for you, but not to the point where you have to hit them, you know? Exactly. exactly. And it starts by leading by example. If you want your child to communicate with you, you have to communicate with them. You can't just expect them to spit out all this information if you don't do it to them. Now, I I truly do believe it's important to cry in front of your children, mm-hmm. but you also have to be conscious and aware of their age and be aware of like what you want to share with them. Like for example, if I'm if I'm a parent and I have a five-year-old and I'm going through something, I don't want to hide myself and go like cry in the room. I want to cry and be like, "Hey, mommy's having a moment. Um, I'm I'm ha- feeling a little sad and frustrated, and that's okay. And that's why I'm expressing myself. I'm letting it out. And then I'm going to go for a nice walk and come back, talk to you or dad or whoever, and feel better about it. Yeah, that's a way to move forward.
1: Yes, I love that. And I I did this once with my stepsons because Travis and I got in a fight over something dumb. And they saw us arguing, you know, and obviously the kids are going to watch you argue with your loved one or whatever, or your husband, mm-hmm. your spouse, your partner. And I remember I got in the car and the boys, I could tell, and that's the thing, like maybe because I'm an empath, I could feel the energy and you could feel the energy of their, of their laughter and joy shifting to like, <gasps> mm. now they have to protect themselves. And so I remember getting in the car and saying, your dad and I fought over something really dumb. I've already apologized. He's apologized. I just want to let you know it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with you. And we love you both. And then we got in the car and drove for our, you know, wherever we were going. But I, I always wanted to have that conversation because kids, regardless of whether or not you are arguing with them, if you're arguing with each other, they they take it upon themselves like, oh, it's my fault that they're arguing. Yes. It's my fault that they are going to get a divorce or leave each other or whatever. Yes. They get scared and you know not just that but like I have a little nephew just recently who threw a ball at me <laughs> I wasn't oh. even paying attention through me because uh, I was paying attention to his brother my other little mm-hmm. nephew and I was giving his brother a lot of attention and because I wasn't giving him attention he threw the ball in my face I turned around and I was like Calvin I was like why did you throw the ball in my face and he got scared and he like I could tell the energy shifted because his little joyous face turned into I'm scared and oh. took the ball and went and like sat in the corner of the farthest corner of the backyard and I remember I went and got him an ice cream and I called him over and I gave him a hug and I said I'm sorry I snapped for a second I was not expecting a ball to the face (laughs) in that moment I was a little scared it really did hurt my face I just want to let you know that you said you're sorry I accept your apology I'm not mad at you there's nothing that you can do to make me stop loving you And we're okay. Can you give me a hug? And he's like, sure. It's like those moments where you have these conversations with them. Yes, they're children, but they can understand. And they also need that reassurance that you're not going to stop loving them or that their little mistake or their little failure or their little thing isn't going to cause you to stop loving them. You know, on the other hand, (laughs) for me, whenever I made a mistake, my mom would stop talking to me. Mm-hmm. And didn't talk to me or acknowledge me or even think that I was in the room. She would pretend I wasn't in the room. And what did that do for my self-esteem? I questioned myself for a yeah. long time, even well into my thirties and forties, like there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And anytime somebody would not return a text or kind of ice me out, I would think there's, I would analyze every little thing I did yes. in that relationship or friendship
0: because that was what i experienced as a child absolutely oh my gosh there's so many like gems that you were spitting out i was like i need to write this down (laughs) but something you said that i really liked is the way you approached the situation with your nephew he's a nephew correct yes okay so first is you taught him accountability hey i did something wrong let me own up to it first thing second you taught him a boundary hey is it okay if i give you a hug A lot of the times we assume, oh, that's your aunt, that's your uncle, go give them a hug. No, ask their permission. That's called physical boundary. Good for Mm -hmm. you. A lot of times we just do it. No, can I get a hug? You'd want to do that. Is that okay with you? Yes, no, cool. And then the third thing you brought up was when your mom would do it to you, right? That's manipulation. Mm. The silent treatment is manipulation at its core right? So instead of you being like, hey, I can go talk to my mom, she made you feel bad for something that's her problem, right? Her inability to communicate and regulate her emotions translated as it's your fault, not mine. And that's, that's shaming. And then you start like doubting yourself and you're like, am I a bad person? And I'm just not good enough. I'm like, this and that. And Mm -hmm. it just spirals down into like this, like this loop yeah and it, and it stays with you till you're an adult
1: yeah I mean when I was a little kid I even contemplated suicide because I was no. like my my mom who's supposed to love me doesn't even want to talk to me to pass the salt you know yeah. I, I was that bad like whatever I did was so bad that she didn't even want to look at me or pass the salt you know ask me she would tell my sister Lilia Tell people to pass the salt as if I didn't oh, exist. That's you know? terrible. And it's like, these. it is, it's terrible. And these are the things that really like, it took me years, years to untether and unpack and untangle all of these old limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it really does stem from little moments like that, that your subconscious mind starts to tell you, you know, oh, you did something bad you're never going to be loved again. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're there's something inherently wrong with you. And then Mm -hmm. that record stays with you and plays for you for the rest of your life. And like you said earlier, it's the same relationship, different faces. And so what I did was because I had that volatile, unloving relationship with my mom, I accepted the same behavior from Mm. friendships, from men, and from coworkers for years to come until I started to discover (laughs) that it was me playing that record and allowing this behavior to happen to me.
0: Absolutely. And to go off that is your mom taught you conditional love, right? At parents, we want to go like, I'm not a parent, but as parents- they, they want to give their child unconditional love. And, but what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. Unconditional love is accepting them for who they are, their strengths, their stretches, you know, all areas of their life. Conditional love is I'll love you based on the condition that you act, behave, think the way I want you to. Mm. right and that's what your mom did to you right she was like i'm not going to talk to you because you're not behaving the way i want you to behave so i'm going to ignore you and let it be known that that's not okay as a result of doing that your self-esteem your self-worth started like you start going okay what's wrong with me am i just not good enough for my mom and like i said earlier as a child you want their approval you want their validation it's normal it's healthy it's part of human nature But if your parent isn't able to give that to you in a healthy way, that's when you start questioning yourself, your, your worth and so forth.
1: Yeah. Because you did something wrong. It could be religious too. Um, Mm. it, It like, it's such a big deal. I was watching this movie of this girl who was hooking up with one of the pastor's sons or something, and they wanted her to hook up with this other pastor's son and it was like this crazy movie where the mom was like and now you I'll never speak to you again because you you know you're a whore and blah 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 Aww. and she like kicked her out of the house and and said I don't want you to infect the rest of the children it's like all Ugh. because of this religious you know, idea that the mom had, and it was just kind of like, it saddened me because again, that was conditional love. I will only love you if you follow exactly what I tell you to do and follow my religious beliefs and follow exactly what I say. And it's hard because Now that girl for the rest of her life is going to think I'm never going to be good enough. I'm always going to be a whore. I'm always going to be this person. And I'm never going to be loved or now God doesn't even love me, you know, and that's even more detrimental to someone's psyche. For me, that whole religious stuff, because I also come from a very religious family. And when I started to kind of Get away from the church because there was a lot of things that I didn't believe in the way the church mm-hmm. runs their things. It was like, oh, how dare you think you know more than the God? You think you know more than mm-hmm. the Master? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> they really got a hold on you. They have this hold on you, you know. And to me, it's it's hard because. Again, we want to be part of the family unit. We want to be part of the tribe. We want to belong. It's inherently in us to want to belong and to be loved and to be cherished. And when you're not following their exact instructions, then you feel like there's something wrong with you.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that brings up another point. When you're healing and when you're on your journey, you have to be okay with not being liked. You have to be okay with rocking the boat. You have to be okay with challenging the status quo. Mm. And if you're so caught up on like, but what would they think? What would my mom say this and that? Like you're going to stay perpetually stuck. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like, okay, I'm doing this for the greater good. I'm doing this because I know I don't want to repeat patterns. And if It means I have to burn some bridges, so be it. I just did a recent post right now about this and saying like, it doesn't mean you have to cut off all your family. It doesn't mean you have to just say, F you, that's it. It it looks different for everybody. For some people, if they want to continue that relationship with their family, they could. But they have strong boundaries. Some people just talk to their family on holidays. And that's okay if that works for you. Some people cut off all communication. That's fine. There's no right or wrong. No. And,
1: you know, going back to the whole religion thing, I had Taffany, who was on an episode previous to this one, and she was talking about how, because she's very devout Christian, and she was talking about how we need to remove the titles from people mm-hmm. because we so you know we go with this idea like we have to respect and honor your mom and dad and you have to respect and honor the family and blood is thicker than water and you go through all these dumb sayings that just been passed down and passed down but i loved the way Taffany said just because they carry the title doesn't mean that they are playing the part you know and mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest realizations to me where my family my sisters continuously try to You know, berate me with the idea that, oh, I'm such a horrible daughter because I'm not honoring my mother. I'm not giving her the love and the respect that she deserves. And I'm like, well, first of all, she was never the mother that, you know, is in the Webster's definition of it. She was never, she was the woman that gave me life. But mother does not fit the description. Like I have more of a relationship with the woman who has been cleaning my house for over 10 years than Mm -hmm. the woman that gave me life. And Mm -hmm. I have such a loving relationship with Sochi that I literally have gone to her daughter's wedding. Mm -hmm. She is just an incredible part of my life. And I can call her and talk to her about things. And she's there for me more than the woman that gave me life. And just because that person has the title doesn't necessarily mean they play that part in your life. And that is
0: okay. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And it kind of goes back to the first question you asked me, like, when did your healing journey begin? When I was probably in the second or third grade, I made the executive decision to start calling my dad by his first name. And I told my mom and I remember I was very explicit with her. Anyone can have sex with a woman and get her pregnant. And yes, I had these words, right? Like very early on. And I said, anyone can have sex with a woman, get her pregnant, but a dad, a dad is someone who like teaches their child stuff, teaches their children morals. I didn't use the word morals, but (laughs) whatever at that time was. And I said, I didn't have that. I didn't get that. So he doesn't earn the title. So I'm going to call him by his first name. And so I did. And that that actually helped me so much. I got so much shit for it. I got hit for it. And I got (laughs) like, you know, in trouble for it. Like, no, he's your dad, this, and that. But at the same time, I was like, no, I'm, this is my decision. And you can hit me, yell at me, slap me, do whatever you want to me, but I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to put my foot down because no, till this day, I call him by his first name, but not because like, uh, I hate him or anything. Actually, on the contrary, like I've come to accept him, and this is his identity, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that Edna. I love that you said. You know, I got hit. I got hit. I.
1: But the fact is, it really takes to be a generational curse breaker, like you and I. It takes a lot of strength and a lot of power and resilience. And I see that in you. And that's the reason why as soon as I saw your videos, I was like, this, this is my girl. Like me and her, (laughs) we know, we know what it's like to have to go through the gauntlet because you really are going through the gauntlet. It's like. Even though you were in second and third grade, having that executive decision, I just love that you said that I had made the executive decision that enough was enough. And I'm not going to put up with this. And I think all of us who are those generational curse breakers, we at an early age were in that environment and said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. This is Mm -hmm. not how it's supposed to feel. And that was one of the things that I specifically remember as a child saying, I should not be living in fear in my house every day as a child. Mm-hmm. That's just not childhood. Okay. But everyone else was like, let's just forget it. I I wanted to share this post that I saw earlier. I took a picture of it because I knew we were going to be on this, (laughs) on this (laughs) thing together. It says narcissistic parents push the family first narrative on their children to teach them unconditional acceptance, which translates into, I don't have to change. You have to forget and keep taking on my abuse. Mm. And that, yeah. And that literally is what you will encounter if you are the generational curse breaker. And that was the thing that I encountered. It was like, you need to just forget about what happened. It was in the past. Jesus has forgiven me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and so therefore you have to forgive me too. But they don't understand that they let, they let off this toxic bomb this detonated, this bomb, and there is shrapnel in all of us. And it's like reverberated this entire, I can't even think of the word, like the leftovers where mm. we're hanging out with like shrapnel in us. And we're like, wait a minute. Like I'm trying to move through life with like half an arm because I've been in your detonated bomb. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's a good, that was a beautiful quote to like, kind of like wrap things up. It was beautiful. And, you know, some, if you are dealing with someone who's narcissistic right now, or who has narcissistic traits, I want to remind people that those individuals are the most insecure, afraid, lonely individuals. Mm -hmm. And though they may think they have power over you, they're scared and they're afraid. And they have really low self-esteem and that's sad, Mm. but that's them at their core. Beautifully said. Um,
1: Okay. So as we wrap up this episode, um, what would be your nugget of wisdom for anyone who is
0: listening now? My nugget of wisdom would be to be okay with rocking the boat, be okay with burning some bridges, be okay with cutting people off and be okay with healing yourself. Um, learn that in order for you to heal you must do what's right for you what feels right for you and to add to that something that I like to tell my clients is there's no real right or wrong decisions there's just simply consequences to our decisions Mm -hmm. so you have to be okay with the consequences of your decisions whatever you end up choosing oh I love that how can my audience find you they can find me on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is coach.ed.la. Oh, I love you. I'm so excited. Yeah, I love we had you. Oh, chance. thank you. <laughs> me thank too. Thank you
1: again I'm for excited. Being on the
0: podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. And I really appreciate this conversation. Me too. Thank you again for
1: listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual mentor, you can book a free discovery call with me at www.fearlessfemale.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at fearlessfemale underscore coach. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at fearlessfemale or find me on TikTok. I'm under at paola.rosser. And if you love this episode, make sure you hit subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a review. I read every single review and I truly appreciate the time you spend writing it.